Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Clocked In Creative, a podcast for creatives in business made by creatives in business. I am your host, Seth Hendershot, and we are coming to you from the creative hub of the Southeast, the classic city, Athens, Georgia. In conjunction with students and faculty of the New Media Institute and the Terry College of Business at the University of Georgia. Today's topic, setting up your business. Kind of an important topic for entrepreneurs, I'd say. And here to help us navigate through the nuts and bolts of the process is a powerhouse entrepreneur who's gone through the steps a few times. Everything from an LLC to a 501c3. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the mighty Rashi Malcolm. Welcome, Rashi. <laughs> what an introduction. That was it, huh? <laughs> Don't mess it. around with my introductions. I see that. I you, practice them. You're wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I know you had a long day. I know you've been grinding all day long. Yeah, that's pretty much every day. As any <laughs> good entrepreneur does. I saw your post about uh, people saying you work too much and they don't understand the grind of an entrepreneur. And I was like, yes, because I get that a lot myself. Yes. And I know, I know that you work harder than most. Um, so... For our listening audience that doesn't know you or know about you, um, would you mind maybe just giving a little background on yourself and how you got to this point? Oh, wow. Um, so Sometimes I feel like I've told this story like a million times. I'm sure you have. But um, <laughs> for those who don't know, <clears throat> I actually um, started my business around 17. Um, I was um, a military child growing up okay. after... Um, my mom uh, left Hartford, Connecticut, so we started off in the projects, and she was like, yep, I have kids. I want a better life. All right. <laughs> and so uh, she and my stepfather were both in the military, and um, one of the things about the military, especially when you're taken away from your home as much as we were and going overseas, is that it really does take a village. Yeah. Right. Um, there's no such thing as looking at each other going, oh, there's differences like it's going to take a village yeah. <laughs> because sometimes it's them versus whatever country we're in and we're outnumbered. Um, so I used to prepare food for some of the seniors who would come over, um, the grandparents rather, who would come over and help with their um, children's children, with right. their grandchildren. Um, we had a lot of teenage pregnancy. Oh, my gosh. It, You'll be surprised. On military um, basis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what else is there? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, a lot of young ladies didn't know how to cook. And so, you know, I would help with that. Um, we were latchkey kids ourselves. And so I would help other latchkey kids, um, especially those that were younger than me, um, also be able to prepare meals, not only for themselves, but also for their parents to kind of help take away the stress. And so my business literally started as a community-based model. And so I was blessed to be able to now be 46 and actually earn enough money on on the good days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know how that on goes. <laughs> to be able to feed my own children. Yeah, and you're 1975? Yes. Same. Yes. Nice. We just fist bump for those yes. who can't see us. Yes. Yeah, 75 in the house. Um, wow, that's amazing. And so how did that lead you to a path of like wanting to, I'm going to open my own restaurant and I'm going to do like, I, I, I mean, a lot of people don't know all that you do. I would love for you to explain all of that because I know you have at least three, maybe four different things going on mm -hmm. as far as businesses. Well, um, so it, 
it wasn't that cut and dry. Right. Like <laughs> my mom kept saying, um, you know, because we come from an era where our parents was like, 18 is on its way. What are we doing? Right, right, right. <laughs> and this. my mom was very old school, and she still had that mentality that, you know, when you turn 18, you getting up out of here. I don't really care where you're going, but it won't be here. <laughs> and so um, at the time, I um, played basketball. A uh-huh. lot of people don't know. I was all Iberian Peninsula um, in Spain when Dang. I lived there two years in a row, my freshman and sophomore year. Um, I mean, all state when I came back to the U.S., you know, nice. um, I had like about 10 schools in the country looking at me, which back then for girls was not That's a big deal. Very common. Right. Um, I had a, a rap career going on. You know, wow. <clears throat> I just got signed before we ended up having to relocate back to the U.S., and so I had that going on for me. And then again, I had this community based model and I love to cook. Like I love to like nurture other people and nurture my community. And I was always told I had an old spirit and um, <clears throat> I just didn't have the confidence. And I think that's important part of the story that I never really highlight. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the confidence that what I was doing could make money and be able to take care of myself. As far as the culinary arts. As far as the culinary arts. And let me say real quick that we've had fashion designers, music industry, and entertainment industry people in here, but you are our first guest of the culinary arts. So I'm, I'm super excited to get into this part of like creatives in business because uh, the culinary creative, I think, goes overlooked sometimes. And, and oh, it's... Yeah. It's one of the most important uh, of the arts, I would say, like the nourishment and the presentation and the uh, time and effort and thought process that goes into creating a dish is just as valid, just as important as writing a song, painting a picture, dancing a, you know, a choreographed piece like right. it's, it's up there. And I right. think it goes overlooked uh, a lot of times. Um, so anyway, I wanted to point that out. But I will say that the profit margin is probably about the same. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Maybe worse on, in some cases. <laughs> Depends on how good you are. Um, but yeah, so um, by the time I graduated high school that summer, my mom gave me a one-way ticket away from her, which is what I'd asked for, and I ended up pregnant. Oh, yeah, that happens. <laughs> joy, joy, yeah. joy. So... Um, needless to say, back then, um, pregnant females weren't on stage rapping, nope. and they weren't on college basketball teams with scholarships, so Not I lost that too. Um, I was in the delayed entry program for the Navy. They were like, no abortion, no Navy. Um, wow. <laughs> then, um, and then also, like I said, so now my business had to actually take a life of its own. Yeah. And so I was working... Um, in corporate America doing food um, actually um, my very first job I was blessed I made like $35,000 like yeah. my very first job out of high school in the 90s in the 90s that's a big deal well it was because I was told I talked proper okay yeah it was one of those kind of things but I took that and I ran with it yeah and I continued to work on my craft so I started technically in 93 I got my first EIN in 2003. I thought I was ready, 
And then I was like, nope, I still need to keep working for corporate America. So I went back to school. I got a degree in science. I actually was a contractor for the EPA for 10 years. No kidding. That was my first job outside of food that I ever did. I was in patient services management for food nutrition for hospitals. Oh, okay. um, so I was a rising star in that. And, um, and I still did mildly that for, in food. Yeah, yeah I did yeah. that for almost 10 year, I mean, 20 years. And then I also worked in prison food service oh, wow. as a supervisor. I worked in long-term care food service for hospitals. I did that for about three years. And then, like I said, I landed as a contractor. I've had bits jobs like during the slow periods of my business, but for the most part, I've, I've only worked for myself since 2013. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And so like, did you understand like the basic concepts of entrepreneurship at that point in your life or was it a learn as you go kind of thing? It was a learn as I go. As it is. Yeah. I will tell you. So coming up, I was taught in school the basics of check writing. We sure. still had home ec. Yeah. You know, that was a big deal. My high school diploma says that I have a technical slash college prep diploma. Right. So, <clears throat> you know, I was on track to be able to do some things. Mm -hmm. um, but there was never really anybody out there kind of teaching me like this is business. Right. It was it was it was kind of a shady deal. We're like, especially if they were successful, they weren't as sharing. Right. Right. It was a different time. <laughs> right. It yeah. was a different time. So you had to you had to figure that out yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, and especially if your foods were even remotely close, like. You know, I started off mostly catering uh -huh. and doing community meals. And so that catering business, you know, can be lucrative to some. Sure. And and that means it could also be pretty cutthroat, too. Right. Um, and, and the Internet so, wasn't quite as vast no, and expansive no, as it is no, now. I mean, no. this was, you know, I mean, even less than a decade ago. Yeah. No. Still kind of I mean, you still had to search for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when I started here in 2013, when I opened up the brick and mortar, which I didn't really want to open a restaurant. I'm very open with anybody who would listen about that. Mm -hmm. um, it was my husband who wanted to have a restaurant. He's like, I'm tired of working for other people. He's Jamaican. He's like, I'm tired of working for other people. <laughs> and my mama didn't bring me to this country to be working for other people the rest of my life. And, you know, la, 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 la. And I said, dude, listen, that is some hard work. Yeah. Let's, let's do this catering. Let's get this paper. Let's be done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, I want this restaurant. And I got stuck with doing the restaurant. And the rest is just kind of history. And so everybody knows my name and they still wonder who he is. Right. <laughs> well, it seems glamorous. Like from the outside looking in, you see people with restaurants and there's all these nice things and the furniture and all the stuff. And like, you know, you must be banging like. You have all these things and what they don't understand is like, nah, well, we took out loans to get all these things and we had to go through all this whatever to, to make this happen, to get into this space. Like we don't own all of this technically, right? I mean, for, for me, that's how it was coming in here. And, and, and I couldn't it, even get loans. So God bless the child that's got his own. Right. Like, I couldn't get loans, like even if I tried. So like literally up until... The last couple of years and i want people to listen to this because there are a lot of people out there who think i get a lot of free money and people just throw money at me <laughs> okay let's be very very clear when i first opened that restaurant we were banging you know in athens that first six months boy everybody wants to know your yeah. name you are making money hand over fist and then 
the six month and one day comes and yeah. another restaurant opens and people are like, who? Yeah. What? Yeah, your yesterday's news. Yeah. Yep. I mean, so I was popular, but I wasn't making no money. I had days where we made $8. So let me, and it's a true story. I'm with you. So I was work. listen up, ladies and gentlemen, listen up. For two years, for two years, I worked at Piedmont Hospital, third shift. Uh-huh. As in the as a patient um, administrator in the ER, uh-huh. okay, I worked in the daytime for several years as a breastfeeding peer counselor for the health department. While owning a restaurant. While running a restaurant, while raising babies, oh girl, having babies, okay, <laughs> trying to be somebody's wife, and then on top of that, we were doing like janitorial jobs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's just, even with COVID, we were doing janitorial jobs. Shout Dang. out to Synovus for recognizing that I needed some money. Right. Um, <laughs> and so, so I just need people to understand, yes, I'm Rashi and I own Rashi's Cuisine and I have the Culinary Kitchen of Athens. I have Farm to Neighborhood Foundation. And then I also have another component of Rashi's, which is a separate EIN, um, which is Rashi's Cuisine Mobile Farmers Market, which is the host of the farm to neighborhood mobile market. Yeah. And so people go, but you have all these things and I see your name all over the place and I can assure you, I will get another job uh-huh. <laughs> or somebody else's payroll in a minute if that's what it takes to feed my family. That's it. And sometimes that's happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and But going through the, the process of setting those up, like that's not as... Would you say it's not as difficult or painstaking or or it certainly doesn't, I don't think it costs quite as much as people think to set up an EIN, to set up a 501c3 I've never set up, but I know that that's a lot more complicated than your EIN. What, What are the general steps in setting up your business that you took while all this is going on? Like, so I'm going to tell you, um, when I started, and I was setting up my business. Like I told you, it was a lot harder. You didn't have all of these gurus who were self-help. Right, right. People. YouTube videos right. and whatnot. And yeah. if you got help from someone, <clears throat> you were paying like $5,000 for a basic LLC package. Right. right? We didn't know better. Mm-hmm. And so that wasn't something that I had to start with because, like I said, I was self-financed. So if I didn't work, like I wasn't making my business dreams come true. And even though... I was continuing to do Rashi from 93 up. I never stopped and I knew enough to file taxes. I knew enough to have insurance. Right. You know, like I said, I didn't get my first EIN until 2003. And that was because I got a government contract with, with the, um, with Fort Bragg. And they were like, well, we need your EIN. This looks like a social. Right. Right. (laughs) And I'm just like, well, it is. And they were just like, um, we need some better credentials. I was like, well, how did I get the damn contract? <laughs> right? How like, did they show you that? So, so <clears throat> that's when I started reading up in the library. Ah, um, the and, library. Yeah, and doing all of that. <laughs> and, oh, I know, that's a, that's a word, isn't you had to it? Look stuff <laughs> and up. I'm not talking about on the internet library. I'm talking about through the actual books where you had to talk yeah, to yeah. a librarian. Um, and so that's how I learned little by little 
And and so I always tell people my business gets legal every 10 years. I started in 93, got my first EIN in 2003, opened up my first restaurant in 2013, and got registered with the state of Georgia in 2013. Nice. Right? <clears throat> so what other happens than, in But before that, I was just a sole proprietor, didn't know any better, just kind of moseying on through life. Right. Um, as I got to know more, and as I started getting into other spaces is when people were a little more freer with the information mm-hmm. once they thought I was on the same level as them. Right, right, right. That's so, a big perception, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it really was faking it till you make it. Yeah. it. I didn't, like, try, but my name, like, carried a little weight. So people just assumed I knew. And so right. I would just sit and be quiet and take notes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> that's who their financial advisor is? Okay. Right. Oh, wait, you're supposed to, I didn't know you were supposed to do that. Uh-huh. Oh, you got to have that kind of insurance too? Oh, shoot, let me call my insurance guy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's how I started. Now, um, in my opinion, it is a lot easier and a lot cheaper, and the information is more readily available. Mm-hmm. Now people really push you to become an entrepreneur, whereas before we were kind of expected to come out of school, get a nine-to-five, and figure it out that's for right. ourselves. I mean, because we were pushed out of the nest at 18. Right. You know, and even those of us who were lucky to be able to go off to college, a lot of us didn't have parents pay, paying right. for it. Right. You know, we had to figure that out, too. So we were the figured out generation. That's it. That's it. <laughs> um, and so as I started doing better in my LLC and I started to acquire um, things, right, and followers, as they say now. Right. Um. I recognized that there were other areas of the culinary arts that I had a passion for. And I know I've been dubbed the food activist. Anything activist is just like, no, that's too much responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So um, that's when I started um, being told by my accountant because now I have an accountant and yeah. I have a lawyer and see people don't think about that your money that you uh, that y'all paying for that jerk chicken helps pay my accountant and my lawyer to keep me out of all that legal trouble <laughs> <laughs> so you don't see me go clean clean um, so I'm still not making any money they get it all um, and so but you're safe oh yeah yeah taxes are paid and taxes legal paid, troubles are no covered. legal troubles <laughs> I got insurance, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Um, and so that's when they begin to tell me, well, Rashi, you're trying to do everything and you can't do that. Like right. you need to start expanding, you know, your business model. You need to start thinking bigger because what you're doing is bigger than just Rashi's. Mm-hmm. And so that's how the culinary kitchen came about, which is my C Corp. Talk about the culinary kitchen. What is that exactly? <laughs> so <laughs> the culinary kitchen actually I'm not gonna lie, I was forced into it. <laughs> it was one of those, you know, um, you remember that commercial? Ask Mikey, Mikey eating Mikey eats everything. Mikey eats anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I was asked Rashi to do it. Rashi, Rashi will do, do anything. anything. You're the yes, you're a yes woman. <laughs> I'm the yes woman. Yeah. So we were all at the farmers market and I was already doing a lot of things that a lot of people weren't aware of. And um, because I do a lot of stuff behind the scenes um, and it came to be that, you know, 
in this town, we really need commercial spaces. Yeah. But we don't just need commercial spaces just as another business model. We need these commercial spaces so that we can bridge and move ourselves to the next step, mm -hmm. right? People tend to think that commercial spaces are for people who want to take a hobby and flip it. Commercial spaces cost way too much money for that. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to be thinking, am I going to be the next Pillsbury Dough, you know, mm -hmm. or the next Lipton Tea, you know, um, the next Sunkissed Tuna, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> that was my thought process when it came to the commercial space. And so a lot of people in the farmer's market areas, because I was, I was really close with a lot of the different vendors of all different types from all the different markets because, you know, I would do things with them. And they were just like, you know, we don't really feel like people are listening. Like, people are thinking we're just going to set up these kitchens and, you know, it just gives us a space to kind of do the same mundane thing. But when you go to a farmer's market, <clears throat> you typically think of those as an opportunity to start your business and then at some point you want to elevate. So most people will elevate to a brick and mortar. So let's right. say you bake cookies. Yeah. So you may start off at a farmer's market to introduce your cookies. Two, three, two, three years, um, maybe even five. You've now built the name and a brand for yourself. And now you go and open up a bake shop. Mm -hmm. Well, some people can't afford the overhead of a bake shop. And some people don't even want a full bake shop. They just want to keep making lemon cookies. Right. But in order to make those lemon cookies and sell them worldwide and to sell them to a Hendershots or a Rashi or a Walmart or a Kroger, they have to have that commercial space. That's right. It's, it's a whole a other beast. kitchen. That's right. <clears throat> you can't just have a kitchen. Right. And so that's how the culinary kitchen was formed. I actually went around and asked some of the other organizations and they were just kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, either I wasn't going to be able to do it. It was going to cost too much money to do it. It was an idea that was already going around. And, uh, you know, basically I was, you know, what's the word? Imp impeding it. Uh -huh. um, and so it was just like, okay, now I understand. They're, like people were saying, people aren't listening to what's actually needed. Right. So it was just like, okay, cool. So we had... Also in that conversation, once the markets close, people had nowhere to sell their products if right. they didn't have commercial spaces. So it was just like, um, if I do the cookies or even if I'm a farmer, I may still have produce coming through, but I either have to jar it, can it, you know, the, but I don't really have anywhere to sell it to. And at that point, there's so many farmers trying to sell to the same restaurants right. that, you know, then I'm stuck. Saturated market. So yeah. we started the first annual winter market here in Athens. And shout out to Athens Farmers Market. Shout out to West Broad Farmers Market. Um, West Broad Farmers Market had helped us with like some tents and for vendors who didn't have tables. Athens Farmers Market basically helped us form a market. Nice. And so I think that's also something that I really want to put out there in public is to let people know that a lot of these things I started like even though these organizations may not have necessarily partnered with me to create the Culinary Kitchen of Athens, but they were definitely a part of wanting to see it do well right. on its own. Right. And that's very important. I think sometimes people 
look at the things I do as competitive, and mm-hmm. it's not. It no. really isn't. Well, clearly um, not, because something like that, a culinary or like a like a, a co-op kitchen, basically, mm-hmm. is what you started. That's like a magnet for all these creatives in the culinary arts, or you know, other. I mean, I, it, it lends itself to all kinds of creativity. Like if you make bags, or you make stickers, or you make socks, or whatever. Like we saw all of that at the winter market, and I think mm-hmm. they're springing up in towns. All over, all over the country, that smaller, is especially college towns, like that farmers markets and 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 uh, uh, craft fairs and things like that. Craft markets are huge right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you're doing is just serving a need that the public called out and needed a leader for, and you were like, "I'll take that banner and run to the top of the hill." And I got forced. You know? <laughs> yeah, I got forced. I don't care what you say. <laughs> say. I, I got suckered into it. <laughs> I don't know. Because those same people were just like, girl, you're doing such a good job. And then I was like, what happened? Y'all don't help me make banners no more. Y'all don't help me make marketing materials no more. Now I got to find a staff. Yeah. So you were forced <laughs> so, through encouragement. Encouragement. Yeah. Exactly. They were like, you're so good at this. Right. You should just do it. Right. Well, see, also think, <laughs> think about it, though. In our business, like <clears throat> I partner with Jittery Joe's to do coffee. I partner with Condor to do chocolates. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you have restaurants who want to make their own sauces. Well, people assume, well, you have a restaurant, you just do whatever you want to do. That's not how that works either. Mm -mm. You have to have a separate commercial space for that. And people who aren't in this industry, they don't understand that. Right. So it's just like... Even people who are in the industry sometimes don't understand that. Well, you know what? (laughs) I'm glad you pointed that out. That is very, very true as well. education is the most important, as we know. Exactly. Especially starting from nothing. And so <clears throat> that and the fact that I'm very big in the food truck. Yeah. You know, um, fight. And so um, a lot of times people say, well, where were you? And, da, 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 and it's just like I was there. You just didn't pay attention. Mm-hmm. I tend to, to shrink myself in a room and suck up information. And then I go out and do my research and my history. And I look beyond just where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I reach out to friends that I have all over the world. Yeah. OK. As and I'm like, well, yeah. what are y'all doing? Or have you heard about this or da, da, da. So a lot of the ideas I have, although people say, well, they're not necessarily unique. They're collaborative. That's right. Right. And they solve a problem. That's right. They're not something that I'm just making up like, oh, this is a great moneymaker. No, it's a problem that we need to solve. And so the culinary kitchen was incorporating not only needing this great incubator shared space, but also a food truck hub because you have those who want to get into the business. And although the culinary kitchen wasn't going to buy their truck for them, but if they already had these spaces built so that they just come in and pay a rent. Mm -hmm then they could have a much greater chance of starting that food truck dream. That's right. And so these are the type of things that we were trying to do, make an affordable commercial kitchen, make an affordable food truck hub, so that, you know, we could come and have all these different creatives come in and be able to make, I mean, not just their dreams, but make their livelihoods come true. That's right. It's not much different than an art gallery or a music festival or a craft fair or anything like that. Like, it's just, it's a different medium, but it's the same concept when you, you, there's power in numbers, right? Right. You bring together all these creative forces and all their talents and everything and and put it in one spot that people, the general public can just come to. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's bound to succeed if it's good, right? right? And everything that you're doing, you're talking about all these talented people, like it's going to be good. 
So mm -hmm. you would think, and I think, I think the public's general mindset, as opposed to when we were young, uh, now is a little more shop local, buy local, right. support local, you know, get in there and see what the people in your community are doing rather than what, you know, nothing against corporate restaurants and corporate, you know, whatever. Uh, but, but there is, uh, there is a certain amount of, um, I guess, charm that's lost when you're just a number and a, you know, sheep kind of herded into this big place and right. <laughs> told right. what right. to get and how to get right. it or whatever. But that, and that's, that probably reigns true for like, uh, setting up, setting up a business for creatives, um, in general, like, how do you think it's different from your experience or other other creatives experience that you've you've been around uh setting up this kind of business where there's art involved because you're you're not just cooking because you know it's a means to an end you cook because you have a passion for cooking right mm -hmm. and you realize that early on and it was it was a necessary thing but you loved it how do you think that's different than the widget guy it was a little, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm trying to answer this in a way <laughs> that doesn't make me sound like I'm a pain in the butt, but <laughs> um, um, earlier on, I mean, <clears throat> cause planning in the health department can tell you some stories about me. Uh -huh. um, we here in Athens, I don't care what kind of creative you are. We all think of ourselves as unique. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> and our business model is, it's not like that one. Right. So I'm not a cookie cutter. You can't just put me in that box. I don't want to do that. I want to do this. And I, <laughs> I found that I now better understand why they were looking at me with the side eye when I came in with all my, I want to do this, that, and the other. Because I have people who come to me and they literally do the same thing to me. Mm -hmm. It's just like, well, I understand you're trying to set up this culinary kitchen in this food truck hub but i need this and i need that and i need this specific equipment that's seven thousand dollars right that i'll be the only one using <laughs> and it's like 20 other businesses that i need to accommodate right and so i would say setting up my businesses was pretty much like that but now if i had to do it over again no, I probably wouldn't just go with the flow. That's just not me. But I would be, <laughs> I, would, I would, I would be a lot more um, understanding. Sure. The oh. first go round. Now, don't get me wrong. One of the reasons why I I get along so well with all of these departments is because they told me no. I mean, I heard no more than I ever got a yes mm -hmm. in years before I ever got a yes. Honestly. Um, but when I went back to them, I would always say, and I want, I want y'all to listen to this, especially those of y'all who are trying to get in business. What can I do? Yeah. Okay. You keep telling me what I can't do. Cool. So now if I need to rethink my design, I need to know what I can do. Mm -hmm. Right. So that I can see if that's either something I want to do, or I need to go to another County where I can just do what I want to do. Right. Right. And that's, kind of the middle ground how we came to me being able to essentially do what people think I'm just able to do right. not realizing that I had to change some things there was a lot of right? compromise there involved. was a lot of compromise thank you for the because I was trying to think of the word yeah there was a lot of compromise for me to get a lot of my business models open mm -hmm. a lot of my business models actually were trust me a lot 
different. Yeah. But um, I had to figure out what I could live with Mm -hmm. and what I couldn't live with. Sure. And so the things that I absolutely had to have, I went down to the mayor commission and I fought like, you know what? Yeah. To try to get things changed. And then they told me no too. So yes. <laughs> then I had to go back to the drawing board and, and then I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to read everything, every section of y'all rules and regulations that apply to me and outline. And then I'm going to use them against you. And sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't. Right. But, um, I was very vigilant yeah, the um, persistence pays off. Always. Very, very, very much. But also, I, I didn't go down there with the with the with the attitude of you don't like me or you're gonna do what I tell you to do or right. I'm gonna have it my way. I, I literally went down there like, listen, I want to open up this business. This means something to the community. When I'm when now I'm talking about my corporations and my foundation you know this means something to the community this is why so we really need to find a way to make this work right and so um and then anything that i can't make work now who do i need to go to so we can get that changed nice and then i called that person and then i just kept on with them until they kept telling me no and it, right now they still telling me no but i'm gonna get it yes i don't yeah, care if it's five years i have now. no doubt in my mind that you're going to <laughs> So knowing all of this, what you know now, if you could meet up with 16, 17-year-old Rashi, would you tell her to keep going? I would tell her to have the confidence to know that she can do whatever she wants to do. Yeah. And to not let people keep telling her what she can't do and putting her in a little box and saying, well, you have this talent, stick to this. Right. And I heard a lot of that when I was coming up. There was not a whole lot of, yeah, girl, you got this. It was, you could bounce a basketball, stick Mm -hmm. to that. Ah, yeah. You know? (laughs) Um, And then, again, once I got pregnant at 19, um, you know, had my child at 19, everybody was just like, well, you you pregnant with a kid now. You might as well give up all them little dreams and all that, you know? And even with the food business, it was just like, you know, you gonna have your own business? Uh, no, I don't think so. And then it was, you can't even cook. How you gonna have a business? You know, <laughs> you need to go keep working for the man. You got babies to take care of. Uh-huh. And so, um, you know, that's what I would tell myself. Like, it's in you. And just have the confidence to do it and be okay with it. Yeah. And, and guess what? The word no is not going to kill you. That's right. Don't be afraid to hear it. Because you you're going to hear it a lot. <laughs> More than what your mama said. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But the persistence pays off. Persistence always pays off. That's it. I can't thank you enough for being here. This has been great. Thank I love you. hearing your story. And uh, where can people find you um, on the socials and the web and all that stuff? Woo! Uh, if you are looking for our food or our food truck, you can find us at www.rashicuisine.com. Dot com. That's R-A-S-H-E-C-U-I-S-I-N-E.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And I don't know if you Google me, you can find me on some other stuff that I've never signed up for. Um, <laughs> if you're looking for updates on the Culinary Kitchen of Athens to see when we will potentially be able to get our project up and going and off the ground, uh, you can find us at the Culinary Kitchen of Athens.com. Um, usually we abbreviate the CKA of Athens, 
um, at Gmail um, and some of our social handles. Um, if you are looking for the farmer's market, the mobile farmer's market um, in our foundation, our 501c3, and you would like to donate because we are always taking donations. Donations are a great thing. That never stops. Um, <laughs> you can find us at www.farmtoneighborhood.com. And then our social handles are usually farm with the number two neighborhood. It just made it a little more creative for my interns I like it. on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Get out there and follow Rashi, y'all. Watch this progress. This is not stopping ever. No. <laughs> well, thank you again. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to talking with you in the future all thank the time. You. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, thank you. For more information on the podcast, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Clocked In Creative or go to our website, theclockedincreative.com. For more episodes, find us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, y'all, this is Seth Hendershot signing off. Remember to stay creative, stay humble, keep learning, and never give up. Bye, y'all.